Hi, folks, and welcome to the Empowering Dietitians podcast, where each week I explore a different topic to help you feel more confident and connected to your work as a dietitian. I'm your host, Jess Sertikoff Ramola, a registered dietitian, dietitian supervisor, and owner of Empowering Dietitians, where I help burnt out and unhappy dietitians opt out of hustle culture and reclaim their passion and purpose as a human first and dietitian second. After all, we are all more than a dietitian. In this episode, I'm pulling back the curtain on podcasting. It seems like everyone these days is starting a podcast, and that can lead a lot of dietitians to wondering if maybe they should start one too. But it's also daunting and overwhelming. It can be challenging to know if and where to start. So my goal with this episode is first and foremost to help you reflect on whether or not podcasting is truly an aligned next step for you as well as to give you a fully transparent account of what it's like to produce this podcast, as well as how other podcasters may choose to do things differently. Check out the show notes for links to as many pieces of equipment as I can still find links to that I use. And don't forget, if you're listening to this when it first airs, my spring solstice workshop is happening on the 20th. That means you may still have time to sign up depending on when you're catching this episode. Details for that are in the outro and show notes as well. This episode feels like a pretty stark departure from the vibes of season four episodes so far, but it's an episode that's been on my mind for a while now. And I think it's good to take a break from the really introspective existential like values, bandwidth, fuck the patriarchy stuff, right? So let's talk about podcasting. Like I said, I wanted to make this episode for a while, but it was really a conversation with a dietitian in one of my supervision groups that tipped it over the edge for me. In one of my calls with my group, uh, she was talking about how she felt pressured to start a podcast, which led into a pretty significant conversation of is this an aligned choice versus is this simply what everyone else seems to be doing and therefore what she thinks she should do? What are the realities of running a podcast? Challenging black and white thinking in relation to podcasting? All of it. And it really underscored for me how big of a pressure this is. It seems like everyone and their mom has a podcast these days, right? On top of that, particularly if you're a business owner, there's a big push to have some kind of consistent content, some medium that you dedicate yourself to really nurturing. It could be a blog, an email newsletter, a podcast, a weekly live on Instagram, whatever. It's this idea that you show up consistently with new free content on a specific platform in a pretty reliable way so that your audience can get to know, like, and trust you. I'm sure you've heard some of these buzz phrases and sound bites before. There is validity to that too. First, before we dig into podcasting itself, I want to acknowledge that there is no one right way to have a business. You don't need a blog. You don't need a podcast. You don't need an email newsletter. You don't even really need a super active online presence. Um, some online presence is probably pretty non-negotiable at this point, but I've worked with so many businesses 
um, or business owning dietitians, I should say, and they all run their businesses differently. And they don't all have the strongest online presence. There's this one cookie cutter model that's presented a lot on social media. And so there's pressure to do it that way. Have a strong Instagram presence, get an email list, develop that consistent content, etc. Yet there are so many nuanced and creative ways that we can get you a good enough online presence. So if people in the year 2023 Google you, they find something, right? Without you needing to dance on TikTok or spend half your workday on online marketing. In fact, another dietitian in that same supervision group where podcasting came up is really not a social media person. And so we've had extensive conversations around how to market a business without using the internet as a primary referral source or lead generator. Also, um, I'm not a business coach, not by any means. Sometimes I think I give off the vibe that I am because I work so much with dietitians in an unconventional way. And um, we tend to think if you're a dietitian working with other dietitians, it's in a business coaching capacity. Um, and on top of that, around half, I would say, of the dietitians they supervise do own their own businesses. So their businesses come up in our conversations. For more on the distinction between the work that I do and business coaching, check out the podcast episode, Should You Hire a Business Coach? Um, I'll link it in the show notes. So anyway, there is this explosion of podcasting in recent years. In fact, there are over 3 million podcasts in existence. I Googled it. And while there's some debate on whether podcast listening is growing versus declining over the past year, overall, it remains a popular medium. And that can make it feel both appealing to start a podcast and also like it's what you should do. So I want today to go through that decision-making process a little bit, give you some reflective questions, as you know I love to do, and then pull back the curtain to what it's like to produce this podcast. I'll also share how it's different from other podcasts, particularly since I do not currently use advertisers or sponsors, and I don't hire out for any of the production steps. First, though, should, in quotes, should you hire a pod, uh, start a podcast, I should say. I encourage you to spend some time journaling. If you're more of a talker, talk it out either to yourself using a talk to text app on your phone or with someone you trust. Think about questions like, what's appealing about it? Does it feel like there's a pressure to do it? And what purpose do you want the podcast to serve? It could be a creative outlet for you. It could be a marketing tool. It could be a total headache that you're pressuring yourself to start because it seems like every other dietitian is and you're behind. A lot can come up when you get curious about where that desire to start podcasting originated. And it may be both, right? It may be that you're interested in it and there's a certain pressure to do it to keep up with other dietitians. It may be helpful, too, to make a note of what draws you to podcasting versus what feels like a barrier, what prevents you from taking the plunge and starting one, because that's where we can potentially identify some fears, some perfectionism, some limiting beliefs, and some misaligned or internalized hustle culture showing up. It's also how we can start to differentiate between wanting to and feeling like you should want to. Big difference there. 
So really take some time to explore it. I'm honestly even hesitant to share in this episode what my opinion of podcasting is until you've had the opportunity to reflect on your own, as I, I don't want to sway you. That being said, I mean, I'm, I'm gonna talk about it in this episode. So if you have the ability to pause this right now and do some reflecting before continuing, awesome. Um, it's what I would do in a supervision session. I wouldn't be offering any opinions before the dietitian had the opportunity to express themselves and grapple with their own thoughts. And even then I would generally only offer it solicited. Obviously know that while I hope I can present a pretty even picture of podcasting, I podcast. I've been podcasting for three years now, so clearly I've decided that it works for me for now. So I'm not necessarily an unbiased source. Personally, I love podcasting. It's this longer form medium that is honestly so refreshing compared to Instagram and even email marketing. Because yes, I can absolutely write a long email and some people do a wonderful job of that, but there's still this pressure to keep it short and snappy to capture people's attention. Podcasting though, it's longer format. Sure, some people still encourage short and snappy episodes too, like under 20 minutes, whereas mine typically fall in that 20 to 40 minute range. But even 10 to 20 minutes is a pretty solid length compared to a lot of other platforms out there. So I really like being able to add more nuance to a conversation. Plus, I'm a writer at heart. I know I'm speaking now, but I script my episodes. And some are more matter of fact, like this one. Others, I get to infuse a little bit more of that poetic vibe to it. So it's a creative outlet for me. I also love speaking, so I really enjoy this part of it. It allows you to get to know me. It allows me to respond to audience and dietitian questions that come up and more. It's also really helpful from a marketing perspective. When I have a dietitian who comes to me and is like, I've been thinking about starting a podcast, but I feel so torn. I don't know where to start. Now, after this episode airs, I can be like, oh, hey, I have a podcast episode about that. I create episodes that I can then send to people who are struggling with that topic. And it's a way for them to get started, to get a feel for the work that I do. But I don't have to offer free supervision in the DMs or feel like a broken record repeating the same sound bites over and over again. Plus, it can be a way of welcoming people into my world in a way that feels a little less salesy and sleazy. So if I see a dietitian in a Facebook group asking a question about, say, burnout, I can be like, hey, I have a podcast episode that chats about that. Check it out. And boom, I haven't solicited. I haven't tried to convert them. I haven't tried to sell them, but I have perhaps introduced them to my brand and my messaging. And if they like it, they may stick around to hear more from me in the future. Another way of looking at podcasting, it's networking. If you have guests on your show, it's a great way to get to know others in your field or similar fields and to build your referral and collaboration network. Referrals and collaborations are hinged on relationship building and having a 20 to 40 minute conversation with someone is a pretty nice way to start laying that foundation. I absolutely love that I get to know so many dietitians through this podcast and people in general. That being said, it's also... I wouldn't say it's a thankless job. That's not accurate. I get 
plenty of absolutely wonderful feedback. And hearing from you after you listen to an episode that resonates, it fills me up so much. And I appreciate the hell out of you. And uh, it's a ton of work. And there's no direct financial gain from it unless you have sponsors. And even then, um, from again, I don't take sponsors, so I don't know, but I've looked into it. And it it takes some practice and some exposure um, and some experience to actually make decent money from sponsors. So you want to be really clear if you are using it as part of a business funnel in particular, you're going to want to be more intentional about your strategy for choosing episode topics, how much time you spend on it. And as much as I I don't love boiling our work down to metrics, you may want to pay attention to conversion and how effective it is as a marketing tool for you. Now, if on the other hand, your motive for podcasting isn't client generation or conversion, if it's more of a passion project, a creative outlet or a hobby, something to that effect, that's significantly less important. So summary, get really clear on your why behind the podcast, because that's going to impact whether it's an aligned choice for you at all. And if so, how you want to strategize or approach it as a project. With that being said, I want to walk you through at this point, kind of a really a day in the life, not even really like a week in the life of podcasting. It's, it's like more a month in the life. Let's be honest. And to be fair, my process is my process. It's not the gold standard or the rule. Each step of the way, I'll give you ideas of how other podcasters may do it differently. Um, I probably spend more time on my podcast than the average person, though I haven't researched that. I, I can't say that for sure. Um, I don't have any metrics to back me up on that one. If you're a podcaster, you can listen into this and let me know. Again, none of this is right or wrong. More time, less time, different styles. It's about what works for you at any given moment, and that can change. So first, I guess it's important to start with how I organize my episodes. I have one spreadsheet for my podcast, and it lists out every week of the year as a different row sectioned off by month. And there's a column for the date, a column for the episode number, column for the guest versus solo, how it's going to be categorized, column for the topic, column to denote which outro I want to use for it based on what I'm marketing at the time. Um, The status of the episodes, is it outlined? Is it recorded? Is it scheduled? Is it published? And then any additional notes. I gray out any weeks where I'm not releasing a podcast episode. Um, I keep a bank of content ideas to the side, and I also keep a bank of both secured guests who are uh, interested in doing a podcast but not scheduled, or maybe I recorded them but haven't put them into a an actual episode slot yet, um, or guests who I would like to invite in the future but haven't yet. Um, when it comes to the actual episodes themselves, I keep a Google Doc for every single episode for the guests, I have a just brief outline, a few bullet points of questions that um, I want to talk about based on what we've talked about, along with probably the pronunciation of their name phonetically, uh, their bio, different things like that. And then um, we'll talk more about what my solo episodes look like. Now, I typically batch record my guests, usually in November, December, and then April or May. 
So about six guests at a time with about one guest releasing per month. My guest episodes are decidedly less work for me to produce from start to finish, though the distribution shifts a little bit. So my solo episodes take longer to prepare for. My guest episodes take longer on the back end. Overall, the solo episodes are still typically more time consuming. That might not be true for everyone, but it is something to keep in mind if you are looking for something that's a little bit less involved. And I will say that while I will invite people onto my podcast, simply having a podcast means that you tend to, or at least I tend to get people reaching out, asking to be guests on my show. I don't say yes to everybody. I think at the beginning I did. I was like, oh, someone wants to be on my show. Yes, I would love to. And I've learned to be a little bit more discerning um, and establish more of a relationship with someone before I bring them onto the show so that I can feel really good about the alignment of the guests that I feature on here. So anyway, one week out of the month, I then reserve for episodes for the month ahead. So I'm recording this in February alongside every other episode that will air in March. And it does take me pretty close to a full week to get all of the episodes for the month done, start to finish. Now I do a weekly show, so I typically have four episodes per month, but other people do more than that or less than that. And as I mentioned to the dietitian in my supervision group, yeah, there are benefits to having a consistent show that people can count on publishing like new episodes at specific intervals, but that doesn't mean that you have to do it that way. Challenge that black and white thinking, especially when you're just getting started because it's perfectionism at its finest. You can start and then take a hiatus. You can publish sporadically and inconsistently as you have the capacity and creativity for it. You could record a collection of like four to 10 foundational episodes all in one shot and use it as a, a long-winded business card with zero obligation to post more than that. Kind of like a, hey, listen to this mini podcast series to get to know my vibe a bit more. Again, when I say there's no right way or wrong way to do this, there is no right way or wrong way to do this. So that's how I personally organize my episodes. I'll typically place each guest in a specific spot tentatively. And then when it's time for me to sit down and prepare for the month ahead, I'll finalize it. I may move the guest slot from one week to another or switch guests if a different episode complements the other ideas that I have. So when I go to sit down to start this work for the month ahead, I may know exactly what each of the episodes is going to be. If I've had lots of ideas earlier in the month, I may have already filled that spreadsheet out for the month, or I may need to sit down and do some brainstorming before I actually outline. This doesn't usually take that much time. I'll consider things like, do I have any launches or workshops coming up? And if so, what type of content can complement and facilitate the sales process on those, right? Like what messages would people need to hear before they buy? If there's a theme of the month or a current event or a question that I'm hearing coming up a lot, either in my supervision sessions or on social media, uh, maybe the academy came out with an infuriating new policy. I'll generally make a point to incorporate that in so it's timely. And then I'll think about what's going on in my own brain, my own life, and what I'm struggling with, what I'm contemplating, and make my total episode arrangement decisions from there. From there, I typically spend a full day outlining. I put outlining in, quote, in quotes because I don't really outline. I script. 
And this has changed over the seasons. I've tried a lot of different ways and I always come back to the script for the most part. I remember the first episode I ever sat down to record. I used a very brief bulleted outline. In general, I'm a comfortable speaker and ad-libber. I rarely script out a presentation. Um, I've spoken publicly in large and small groups in the past. So I thought to myself, like, this should be fine. Plus, it was always drilled into me that it is better to have a firm understanding of the topic than it is to be reading a script because it's much easier to get tripped up if you're reading or lose your place or freeze or something like that. So it, it is much better to uh, speak from the heart from that sense because it tends to come out more naturally and it's harder to totally freeze up from that point of view. But maybe because it was my first episode, who knows, whatever the case, I wound up rambling so much and I felt like I couldn't really make the points that I wanted to make. So I stopped the recording. I went back and wrote a full-blown script to record instead. And I did it that way for a solid year. Early last year, I experimented with videos. And with that, I felt like it made sense to outline again. Because you can tell by my eye movements um, and whether I'm looking at the camera, whether I'm looking down at my screen, um, you can tell in a video when I'm reading versus speaking off the cuff. But honestly, when it comes to time commitment, short of doing a fully ad-libbed episode, which I did once, episode 117 in January of this year, my brush with hustle culture, give it a listen. If you want to hear, you know, maybe you can spot the differences between my scripting versus my outlines versus my uh, totally ad-libbed experience. But honestly, when it comes down to time commitment, um, having a detailed outline versus a script both take me about the same amount of time, oddly enough. It takes me about 60 to 90 minutes to script out or outline an episode. So I usually just script it. Over time, I've gotten more comfortable veering off of scripts for anecdotes or switching up the tone or the cadence or the verbiage of a phrase based on how I'm feeling in that moment. But for the most part, when you're listening to this, I'm reading. Other podcasters for sure do it differently. Some people do script like I do. Others have outlines with varying specificity and detail. And some have like a few jotted notes down and they just hit record and go. You have to find what works for you. For me, though, scripting is a full day. Um, as I write out this particular script, this is the last script that I need to do for the month. It's exactly 2.47 p.m. And I was hoping to finish by 4 p.m. So I'm in good shape. My last episode didn't take quite as long to script as I planned. I started at 10 a.m. I usually script one before lunch and two after. I always then let them sit a day before recording. Or well, by always, I should say there are months where I'm behind and a little overcommitted. So I'm working week to week rather than batching the whole month at a time. And in those situations, I may script in the morning and record in the afternoon. But typically, I like to let them sit and breathe. I never really read through them in their entirety. So it's not like I let them sit and then go back in for errors and to clean them up and edit them and stuff. Um, but I may go back and rework sections if I kind of sit with them and I keep toying with them in my brains or I don't like how it sounds or I second guess it. I may glance over them. Um, but honestly, usually I just hit record. Um, I should also mention, I also have to make sure that I have scripts for intros and outros. You don't want to forget those, um, including outros for any guest episodes that 
may have already been recorded. Um, I now have one intro that goes on every episode, as you heard on this one, followed by an episode-specific intro without any background music. Um, and then the outro I may or may not need to record. If I have a new workshop or event coming up that I want to plug, I'll have to record a new one, but usually I pick from a collection that I already have from past episodes. When it comes to recording, you can just start. My first episode was recorded on my phone, sitting on my bed, using the app Anchor. I didn't have a mic or a camera. I had no bells and whistles whatsoever. I just made an account on Anchor, which is free, and followed their instructions to getting it to circulate to all the popular podcast listening apps. I don't really remember the step-by-step process for that. It was three years ago, but it was pretty straightforward. Um, I created a quick logo on Canva and then, yeah, I hit record. But before we get into the recording itself, I want to chat through some of the tech that I use now and how I go about situating myself for recording. And um, I should give a blanket statement that wherever I can include a link to the tech and equipment that I use, I will do so in the show notes. I think in like every paragraph. I'm like, I use this and if I can find it, I'll put it in the show notes. And then I go to the next second. I'm like, if I can find the link to this, I'll put it in the show notes. So just blanket statement. <laughs> if I can help you find a link to the equipment that I currently use, I will absolutely provide it for you across the board. So first and foremost, before we get into buying anything fancy, I recommend if possible, testing out the acoustics in different rooms. Again, don't let it like paralyze you to the point that you never start. You can absolutely hear audio differences in my recordings over time as I move rooms, I move houses, I change equipment, etc. But some good rules of thumb include uh, finding a room with lower ceilings and as much cushioning as possible. Bedrooms and closets are popular for this reason. Carpeting, bedding, clothing, all of that helps. Even if you don't have a mic, use headphones like earbuds are fine. I plugged earbuds into my phone and recorded that way for, I'm pretty sure a full year, like pretty sure all of season one. <laughs> don't let the tech hold you back. Make sure that you can be heard relatively clearly, but don't stress about it being perfect. Even now mine aren't like perfect. It's okay. People still like to listen. As long as you're not garbled, or they don't have to, you know, squint to hear you, so to speak, you're, you're going to be okay. Fun aside, I'm actually worried that this just happened because this, as I'm recording it, is my last recording of the morning. And when I went into the recording studio, it had my mic set as my laptop, not my external mic. And the last time that happened, all of my episodes were ruined, like super garbled. There was all of that like staticky noise taking up all of this space. Um, and I had to record them. So I'm, I'm really hoping that the first two episodes that I recorded aren't like that. Because when you get something like that, no one's going to, that that you need to re-record. So there is a bare minimum. People need to be able to hear you. They need to be able to understand you. But it doesn't have to be the most amazing thing. If it's a little echoey, if it's um, a little tinny, it's okay. And then the other piece of this, if you do use earbuds, which I, I do recommend doing if you don't have headphones, 
um, in particular. Um, be careful of long hair and fabric and clothing. The mic is usually set down to lay almost against your chest um, when they're like wired earbuds, not not like AirPods that are wireless and Bluetooth, but the cord, the mic lays down against your chest and you can get a lot of feedback and rustling if you have long hair or if your shirt is brushing up against it. Um, I always wore my hair up when recording before I got a separate microphone. So yeah, I started with my phone, a free app and some earbuds, period. Sitting on my bed in my old house. Now I record in my mother-in-law's sewing room uh, using Riverside, which is a free app. It has paid upgrades that um, even if you use the free one, I use the free one. Um, it records audio and video in a few different formats, which is helpful and nice and you know, a little fancy. It's also a little glitchy, to be honest. No, trying not to like totally throw Riverside under the bus. Um, that's why I haven't purchased a paid upgrade to it yet. I'm kind of feeling it out and seeing how I like it. It is new to me this season. But overall, it does a good job of audio and video quality. It's also really nice because if um, the internet quality goes down, it automatically switches settings to try to maintain the quality of the recording while this gets sorted out. And this happens quite a bit when I'm recording episodes with guests um, where their, their internet goes a little bit wonky um, and they freeze or something like that, but it just automatically kind of downgrades the live experience and keeps the recorded experience as high quality as possible. So that is a really nice benefit of that, that I don't get on just using the Anchor app or using Zoom or something like that. Um, I do also have a microphone now. It's a Hyper Quadcast. I don't remember the exact one. Um, it's all right. It wasn't my number one choice, but my number one choice, which at this point I even forget what it was. Every time I say that, people are like, oh, what was your number one choice? I'll look and see if it's available. I don't remember. <laughs> I did a bunch of research at the time. I don't remember. Um, but it was out of stock forever and I got sick of waiting. So I went with number two and I wouldn't say it's the greatest mic, but it hits some of the basic requirements. It has a volume adjuster and I can plug it into my laptop. I could probably plug it into my phone with a different cord, but I haven't tried it. Um, it has a jack for headphones and it has changes settings to change the input of the sound, which um, I can't, I probably should have looked at this when I was outlining it. I didn't. Um, I forget the exact names. There's like buy something. It's the direction of where sound is coming from. So I have it set so that um, it only is supposed to be picking up sound directly in front of it. It's not supposed to be picking up sound coming from behind it or around it. Uh, and that is supposed to help reducing like the noise and the, the background sounds that it picks up. So Again, uh, it's been a little while since I looked into the technical specs of what that's called, but it was nice to be able to make sure that I click off that sound setting so that it, it really only picks up my voice and hopefully not, you know, my dog Toby snoring behind me or <laughs> the, you know, construction happening outside my room. Um, I also got some over-the-ear headphones that have been pretty helpful. Uh, I can usually hear ambient noise that's being picked up by the mic, 
And they're pretty comfortable even for a full day of podcasting. Since I tend to record a month's worth of episodes at once, it's not uncommon for me to be wearing them for a few hours straight. I'll also see, again, if I can link those in the show notes, as I will with all of these things. Alongside the mic and the headphones, I bought a webcam. Uh, this one is totally unnecessary if you're just getting started on podcasting. Um, but the one that was built into my laptop is really bad. So I needed it for client calls anyway, but it looks like I have a weird filter on myself at all times when I use the one for my laptop. So the one that I bought, the webcam that I bought is a Logitech. I have it right here. It's right in front of me. I'm staring at it. It's HD 1080. Oh no, that's just 1080p. That doesn't tell you what it is. Um, never mind. I don't remember the exact model. It's a pretty middle of the line uh, phone, uh, phone. What am I talking about? It's middle of the line camera. It, I think it was about a hundred bucks. You can definitely get higher quality ones, but it's been really solid to get me started. And it looks a hell of a lot better than my built-in camera on my laptop. And if you're doing video podcasts, which I probably wouldn't start with, but they can be helpful for repurposing clips via social media. You'll also probably want to look into lighting, which is by far my worst nightmare. <laughs> I struggle with this so much, so I won't pretend to be an expert here. I've read all the articles. I've listened to all the experts and followed all the advice. And I still wind up like looking like a ghost half the time. Um, maybe it's because I'm so transparently pale as a human and there's just not that much lighting that can fix that. I don't know, <laughs> but I do have a ring light again. Um, I, I'll link it if I can find it. It's nothing special, but it is helpful for picking up the slack of if the sunlight or other lights in the room aren't working in my favor. Like today, um, it's, it's pretty dark. I need the ring light and honestly probably could have even used a second ring light today in particular. And then the last piece of equipment I own is a pop filter. This one is pretty handy. It's the most recent piece of equipment that I invested in. I don't love mine, honestly. The way that it attaches to my microphone in particular is finicky and it has a habit of like falling over when I need to move it. It's not a pain to, like it's easy to screw back on, but I know it's just a little bit little bit finicky. Um, a pop filter essentially helps to soften some of the harsh consonants like P's and F's and S's. Um, so you don't get as much of the hissing and the f sound, you know, sorry, that's probably not the best to listen to. Um, I know with some podcasters who just like put some pantyhose over their mic and call it a day or they make a DIY option. Um, so there are a lot of different options out there. You don't necessarily have to buy a fancy like filter itself. It really, that's what it looks like. It looks like some black pantyhose stretched over a plastic ring. Um, but it is definitely helpful for audio quality. But again, I didn't get mine until season three. And a lot of you've been listening for longer than that. So it clearly wasn't a deal breaker for you. Over time, um, I worked on the tech right? Remember, I'm on season four of this podcast. So if you're listening, taking notes furiously, feeling overwhelmed, just start. Forget the fancy equipment. I wanted to include it here so that you knew what I was working with. And if it's helpful, you can get started because again, I didn't buy the fanciest, highest end equipment. I started with pretty middle of the road stuff and might upgrade over time. Um, but it's 
it's not necessary. You need bare minimum somewhere to host your podcast. Like I said, I use Anchor, um, but other people use Libsyn. Buzzsprout is another pretty popular one. There are a lot. Um, and then you need some earbuds, some AirPods, some headphones, something to help with the noise cancellation and audio quality. And then you either need your laptop or your phone, whatever you're recording from. Period. End of story. That's it. So you get your room set up. I'll have, I'll have to post an update if or when Justin and I ever find a house in this crazy housing market. We looked at one and we fell in love with it. It's total, total random tangent um, because this podcast episode isn't going to be long enough as it is. Um, but we didn't make an offer for a few other really big reasons. But afterwards I was thinking and I realized it was terrible for podcasting. Not that I'll say no to a dream house just because it may be tricking for, tricky for my podcast. I'll have to find a way to make it work. But it was this old Victorian house. So it's hardwood floors, tall ceilings. It was a super dreamy home, but talk about echoey. So anyway, I'll have to update you when, I, when I'm going to say when, not if. I'm not going to live with my in-laws forever. When um, I get a new space and I have to find a podcasting spot there. Because even in this house with the in-laws, it's a bit dodgy. They have a lot of tall ceilings and big rooms with hardwood floors, so it can get pretty echoey in a lot of the spaces. Um, the one room that I currently record in is about the only viable option that I have. But you make work with what you've got. So I may wind up in a house that doesn't have great location options. So I will definitely update you on how I make do and get creative to make suboptimal conditions a little bit better. But for right now, I'm in a room with, I mean, they're not really low ceilings, but they're probably like, probably like eight foot ceilings. They're probably pretty good ceilings. Um, but they're the lowest ones in the house. Uh, a nice like carpet. It's a smaller room. There's curtains. So there's a good amount of cushioning around me. So you're in your room, you're all set up. Um, I record all of my episodes at this point with uh, pretty much a once through, unless I get a big audio interruption because I'm scripted. So I don't have too many faux pas. I trip over my words sometimes, but I leave those in. Depending on what platform you're using, that will impact your post-production stuff. But at that point, like after I hit the record, I hit the stop button, I pretty much just walk away, like stop recording and walk away. I don't download or edit anything. So all in, I aim for this to take about two hours, um, three if the episodes are a little bit longer. As an update, I started this a little after 10 a.m. It is 11.42 now. And like I said, um, I'm, we're coming to the end of this episode. This is the last one. And then I just have a few like little intros to, to get recorded really quick. That will be like a minute each. So I'm in good shape. So that brings us to day three, which is editing day. This time commitment varies. And for many podcasters, they don't do any of this work. It's by far the part that most people will want to outsource as soon as possible. Um, I don't feel as though I'm in a financial position right now to hire out for this, but it is definitely high up on my list. Uh, and I don't spend a ton of time on this, but for me, uh, this is how I approach it. Again, it's going to vary depending on the platforms that you use, depending on how you distribute it, depending on your style as a podcaster, and depending on whether or not you outsource. But for each episode, first, 
I download the full episode from Riverside to my computer. This can take some time, so I get it started right away, and then I move on to doing some other things in the background. So my next step is I work on identifying clips that I want to use on social media. You may or may not do this. To be honest, um, the clips don't perform very well on Instagram, and I've seen this across the board, that advertising a podcast episode as an Instagram post or reel tends not to go over that well. Not 100% sure where that comes from, but it doesn't go that well. I've tried a lot of different formats, but I still do it just for a little bit of recognition and for some easy content creation. Um, but this process may involve listening to an episode start to finish, or it may just be kind of scanning it. So a guest episode is one that I'm more likely listen listening to start to finish in the editing phase. Because first and foremost, I don't have extensive notes, right? Like it's not scripted out. It's a conversation with another human. And number two, it may have been months since the original recording. So right now it's February. But remember, I recorded all of my guests through June in December. So by the time June rolls around, it's been a long time since that recording, and I probably don't remember it that well. Um, certainly not enough to pinpoint specific clips that I want to use. So if I'm listening to it back all the way, I usually listen on 2x speed, just enough to be able to kind of like for my brain to register like, oh, that was a good thing. Let me slow it down and go back and, and see if I can isolate out a quote or a soundbite there. Um, for my solo episodes, again, because they're scripted, this is another benefit of scripting it. It does take a little bit longer than outlining, not much, but a tiny bit longer. Um, but it means that I have a full-blown script where I can look back and, yeah, I ad-lib every once in a while, so it's not always perfect, but I can go back and say like, oh, that sounds like it might have been a really good point. And I listen to it and I kind of find it on the recording pretty easily. Um and go back. And I didn't mention this, but something that's happened for me when I uh, script on my episodes is that I typically know how long a script needs to be. So I know that roughly six pages of an out of a script is like a shorter episode for me. It's like a 20, 25 minute episode. This is nine pages. So I'm assuming that we're going to be in like the 35 minute range, maybe even upwards of 40 or a little longer. It's a longer episode. Um, but because I know generally how long a full episode is, I can tell by where it falls on the outline roughly what minute marker it's at. I don't know that I could have done that in the beginning, but I've just learned that over three years of doing this. Um, so it's pretty easy for me to go through and identify where those clips are. Um, I shorten them down. And then I attempt to download them from Riverside, but I mentioned that Riverside is glitchy. This is one of the areas where Riverside is particularly finicky. It doesn't really like downloading clips, especially uh, clips in the 9x16 format, which is what you want for a reel or a TikTok video. So it's hit or miss if I can get it. If I can't, I usually put the full episode on my phone and I edited it down on my phone instead, though the, the video formatting might be a little bit funky. Um, and if I can't do anything, then I don't post about it on Instagram and I move on with my life.
So from here at this point, usually that full episode is downloaded. So I then have to go to Anchor to upload the audio and add in intros, outros, music, transitions, show notes, all the good stuff. Um, fun fact, I don't know if you could tell, but my super high quality music in my intro and outro are just like stock music on Anchor. I know, so surprising, so high quality. Um, but there's a lot of like transition sounds and music and things like that that you can play with and just go with that again get it out there. Don't worry about perfection. Maybe one of these days I'll have like a made from scratch original song to put in my background. But I actually, this is again, going back, I put everything here into Anchor. And if I have to do any editing, this is where I'll do it. But honestly, there are very few edits on this show. I really embrace imperfection and hopefully leading by example. But there are times where I do go in and edit. Um, and I schedule it for the appropriate Sunday at 7 a.m. I make my show notes. Um, and the reason I do Sunday at 7 a.m. is, I don't know, that's what I decided and it seems to work. So I go with it. I think technically it's not the most popular day, but I kind of, I don't know, take advantage of that because I don't know how many episodes release on a Sunday, but it's more likely to come up on the top of your feed if you it's not competing with a lot of other stuff. So I found Sunday in the morning to be good. You can kind of play around with it. Um, from there, you might think you're done, but I'm not. Um, I still have to create a draft of the web page. Uh, one downside of Anchor is that I, and I don't know how other platforms are, but I can't generate an embed code until the episode is published. So I edit everything about the page except for the, audio embed itself. So, um, and this may be getting a little bit in the weeds. If you're like, I don't know what you're talking about, Jess, what, what do you mean by embedding? Um, there is a little HTML code that anchor gives you once the podcast publishes and you just click copy and I paste it into my Squarespace website. It might be different if you have WordPress or, or something else. Um, but I can't get that code until the episode publishes. So I just edit everything else, save it as a draft. And then when the episode goes live on Sunday, um, I don't actually work on Sundays. So I sit down on Monday and I add the audio embed code to the webpage and click publish. I figure that way there's also a slight incentive to subscribe to the podcast itself because you get at least 24 hours before most other people will hear about the new episode. You get a little head start. And then lastly, I may create an email to go out, or I may add the link to a monthly email summary. Um, I've been experimenting with different ways to communicate new podcast episodes via email, so uh, that can differ. And that might differ if you have an email newsletter and if you do what your structure is. And that's it. I say, that's it in quotes, it's a lot. Um, but that's it. Again, this backend process can vary quite a bit. It can be fully hired out. Some people do more extensive editing. You may or may not have a web page or an email list or a social media page to pair with these episodes. Typically, I expect to spend about 20 to 30 minutes per episode on the back end. Um, it can be longer if I have more extensive editing or if I have to listen to it all the way through or I run into technical difficulties, but that's usually it. Sometimes it can even take less time than 20 minutes. It's not too terrible. 
So all in, that means that each solo episode takes me about two and a half hours to produce, uh, not including any promotional effort that I put in once it's published. And a guest episode, since I'm not scripting it, usually takes me about one and a half hours to produce. So now, um, as I'm writing this script, it's 3.31 p.m. And all I have left to do at this point is wrap up this episode and write the intro. Then I have some last minute things to check for my guest episode and the very last episode of the month, which was actually recorded last month. And then I decided to hold it instead. And like I said here, um, if we're going in real time, not I'm telling you all these random times and I'm like, when I'm writing this, when I'm recording it, um, I'm pretty close to noon and the recording time. So I'm on par. I'm doing pretty well. Um, and staying on track, assuming that I don't have to go back and re-record the two that I recorded before this. Please cross your fingers for me. Knock on some wood. So what do you think? Does anything about my process surprise you? Are there any podcasting tips or tricks that I didn't mention that you like as a podcaster? And if you're simply considering getting into the podcast space, I hope this gave you a little more clarity and transparency of what it's like. I know it can feel like a lot. Remember, start with determining your why. And remember, you can start and change your mind later. You can wait and start later. You can be inconsistent. You can dive in head first. You can start with zero equipment and grow with time. Bottom line, what did I say from the beginning? There is no right way to podcast. There is no wrong way to podcast. And you sure as hell don't have to podcast just because it feels like everyone else is doing it. Cheers to doing things your way, whatever that way may be. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Empowering Dietitians podcast. If you liked what you heard, it would mean the world to me if you would rate it and leave a quick review on either Apple Podcasts or Spotify. This quick action is one of the best ways you can support the podcast, help new dietitians find it, and show potential advertisers and guests the impact this show has on its listeners. And if you're looking for a little more from Empowering Dietitians, check out my upcoming Spring Solstice Workshop on March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern. In this experimental workshop with equity and pay-it-forward pricing options available, as well as a replay, we will be doing a little spring cleaning of our minds, intentions, and goals as we transition from the introspective winter into the regenerative spring. If you've been feeling stuck, frustrated, or worn out, this workshop will show you how to lean into the energy of the seasons with as much or as little woo as you prefer to make greater strides in your work and life goals. Learn more and sign up at www.empoweringdietitians.com slash spring dash workshop. That's www.empoweringdietitians.com slash spring dash workshop.